0: In the song, it talked about, one of the songs, it talked about us responding to his love. It's his grace that's out of love. That's what we're talking about, living a grace filled life. But in responding to that love, how do you respond? We worship, we praise, as the word tells us all about. But here's the reality. Responding to grace is receiving the gifts of God. And the gifts of God, there's a multiplicity of gifts. And it meets every need of the body of Christ, and may I even say it, the world. The reality of there are areas of our lives that there's difficulty, there's tribulation, there's struggle. And we need to recognize when we respond to grace, which is love, because scripture tells us he is love, then everything that we receive is a gift, not something that you work for. And so I'm gonna ask if there's anyone in this house, all those that are watching online, is that there is something in your life you know that the gifts of God can just overwhelm and give you an answer. And you know that because you're faith people, word of God, faith people. That I'm going to ask anyone here, and if you don't stand, don't feel bad, because you know God and you know where you're at right now. But if there's something that in responding to God's grace and love that you know there's something you need to receive from God go ahead and, and stand. And I'm going to just go ahead and stand and I'm going to I'm going to pray for you. Just go ahead and stand. Hallelujah. The spirit of God is speaking to us regarding breakthrough and wanting to remind us of the promise that he gave us for this whole decade. And life is lived out in this world where there is difficulty, there's tribulation. There's great joys because of who we know, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God. But the response is a faith, a belief system in you that says, again, another song we sing, which is scripture, that says no, there's no one greater than the God that you serve. Respond to who he is, not how you feel. Respond to what he said in his word Not what you've heard from others. It's what his word says is truth. It is the truth that sets you free. And the difficulty of our world and our society today, we're going to talk about this, is there's no absolutes. And there's nothing that people base their belief on except what they feel of that day, what they believe of that day. The Word of God tells us that faith cometh by hearing of the Word of God. And out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks, speaks that Word, which is truth. So many of you have stood. Now, I want you to just take a moment, not in embarrassment, but I want you to look around and see in the balcony and downstairs how many people really want to express and respond to God and receive a gift from God just go just take that a moment just look around these are your brothers and sisters this is the church that Jesus Christ came to work through you If what's going on is opposite of the word of God, it's not God's plan and it's not God's will. There's a satanic attack that is moving in our world because God is moving in our world. God is, there's a new thing. I I believe we're in the beginning stage Um, in in Israel. It's a beginning of sorrows regarding this war. But in, in the church, it is the beginning of the move, the greatest move, of the Holy Spirit that the church will ever experience. Moving into the end times. So respond to him and who he is as I pray. In Jesus' name, by the work of Jesus, stating on the cross, it is finished, raising from the dead in victory. I proclaim to you that grace, love, the presence of God is here. In Jesus' name, respond to that and say, I believe. Say it again. I believe in the work of the cross. I am healed. I am restored. And God has a great plan for me. Everyone go ahead and look at me. Amen. God's pleased with you. God's pleased with you. Go ahead and high five someone before you're seated. I really do pray that um, the Holy Spirit, that's where my prayer is, is that you will really see the importance of prayer and that you will join with me as Pastor Dan talked about. And you will look and you will figure that out and sometimes even I can't get on the line, but someone always carries through for me and uh, if that doesn't take place, once in a while that does happen. Even if you don't get online, just know that we're praying With the men, eight o'clock till eight fifteen, and with the whole church, eight thirty to eight forty five. I am here around six o'clock in the morning because I am praying for you. I've set a fasting hour. I don't even have my coffee yet. I'm 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 setting a fasting hour for you that God would move on your behalf. On every Sunday morning, not only during the week, but on Sunday morning. I have set that in what Scripture has told me as a pastor, but also leading of the Holy Spirit. There's also an area of <clears throat> leading of the Holy Spirit. This evening, um, make a long story short, I have a mentor mainly a book mentor, but I've sat with him a couple times in long discussions about the Word of God in my younger years in ministry. His name is Pastor Bob Yendian, and he pastors and ministers, probably one of the best teachers in our nation on Scripture, and especially end times and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Bob had sent out with his ministry a short three to three-and-a-half-minute video of him talking about what's happening in Israel. Now, I was talking with some folks this morning, some of the elders that came in and stuff, and talking to them that I I probably could explain it, but I can't explain it like Bob Yandian. And so I'm not a proud person. I'm proud in Jesus but I'm proud of what Jesus does through everybody and the gifts he gives people. Pastor Bob has this unique ability to explain in a short way what is taking place in the spiritual realm regarding end times. And so because of live stream uh, licensing, we cannot show it on Sunday morning. So this evening at Bible study, uh, as we talk again about Jurassic Earth, And the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We'll be talking about that, but we'll show this video to you. And I want to tell you the one thing that I want you to absolutely understand is there are innocents being killed on both sides. Terrorists are not innocent. They are the satanic people that are used of of Satan to destroy lives. I'm talking about peoples as in nations that are being killed and slaughtered because of a satanic act using Hamas, Hezbollah, and still ISIS. Through Iran. But it's all biblical. It's in Scripture. Since 1948, when Israel was recognized by the United Nations as a nation, that was the time that Scripture tells us that no longer will Israel ever have to leave their land. So what am I saying to you? Israel will have victory over this satanic attack. But in the middle of it, people die, people are injured, and devastated emotionally. Our wonderful sister over here who went with us to Israel um, became real good friends with our tour guide, Tamar. And Talked with her, and she's been uh, communicating with her. We do once in a while. But I asked her if she'd communicate with her and ask uh, what to pray for. I will be sharing that this evening. And Tamar, who is in Israel, and a beautiful sister. And we're going to see God do some great things. But in the process of that, we need you to do something great as a church. You always give. Always. And for Hawaii, you gave thousands of dollars for us to send out there and to give to the churches in Maui. What I'm asking you again, and normally we don't do this very often, above and beyond the uh, tithe and offering that we normally give, that's in our hearts, that we do constantly, consistent, is I'm going to ask you to give to Israel. And I don't do this often. Or I don't think I've done it since I've been here. In uh, over 16 years when I came back. Over 30 years I've been with you. But the reality is, is, and I don't share things that I do either, because that's between me and God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But I'm asking that 20 of you would join, at least 20 of you would join with me in giving the amount that I'm giving. I have written a $500 check for Israel. And I have given tithe this morning. I've given seed offering this morning. And I gave an envelope to someone uh, in alms and I gave to them because they were in need. Not because I have a lot of money, but because I'm being led of the Holy Spirit. If a... uh, Ten of you give a thousand dollars, we can reach to me a goal of ten thousand dollars that we can give, and it'll go directly because I know people personally will go directly to the churches, four square churches in Israel. And whoever, they will minister to whoever. They are not prejudiced, they are not against the people of Palestine but they are against a satanic group called Hamas and Hezbollah. And we're going to bless them, and we're going to honor them, and we're going to give it to them. And by the end of the week, uh, we're going to do our first check, and by the end of the following week, because next week, we're going to continue to allow people to give that weren't able to today because you don't have your phone right now, or you don't have uh, your checkbook, or you don't have the money in your pocket. And I'm asking you that you would do that. And I'm going to pray that God would see to it that every cent touches the needs of the people that are in that region. God can do something so particular by showing himself through us giving grace gifts we've been talking about grace <clears throat> things that are undeserved but we do it because of the love of God in us so I'm I'm writing this I've already done that I'm going to go ahead and give it to to Richard Richard would you please you know put it in the box and uh, write Israel on it and when you write Israel on it then uh, Our people will make sure that it goes to exactly where it is supposed to go. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, I proclaim that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rule and reign in this house. As we dive into the Word of God, with all the the information and stuff and emotions and pains and things. from things that are going on this past couple weeks, in Jesus' name, I proclaim a clarity over our minds and our hearts to hear the word of God. But Lord, let that word just be so explosive in Israel. So explosive in Gaza. So explosive in Lebanon, in Iran, every area of that region, that lives would be transformed because Valley Community Church touched God and because we touched God, we touched others. That the gospel is preached. Lives would be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and please join with me in giving large. Remember last week we read in Galatians and the beginning of that, we had fun with this. It said, oh foolish Californians, or I mean Galatians. And the scripture was written directly to us, talking to us about the heart of grace in how Paul most of his writings of the New Testament that he wrote is writing to those who know the law and trying to get them to understand that in Jesus, they are no longer under the law or, remember we use the term married because the Bible uses it, married to the law. Paul uses the marriage uh, understanding of that, that that we are now married to Jesus instead of the law, And we use the reality of, of an abusive uh, husband that would, as the law, depicting the law as a, an abusive husband, and would just constantly be raped and all that and tell it wrong, wrong, wrong. And, but Jesus came and fulfilled the law, did not remove the law. So we have to understand today is that the law is really good. Why? Because it's the Word of God. It's Scripture. But because we are married now to Christ, grace, the church, we need to understand how to relate to the law. There's confusion in the body of Christ because we we have a tendency uh, of the do's and don'ts. And let me tell you, if we don't understand grace, then we will self-inflict deception in our own lives because we will be listening to the first husband who berates us and tells us, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Instead of listening to grace that says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and it is not of yourself, not of your works, but it's of what Christ did. And so when you understand that, then you you know how to relate to the word of God because I will remind you again what the law was given for, the reason for the law. So let's begin to dive into this my introduction is going to be about five times longer than I just spoke on, but I want you to listen to the process of my introduction, so that your your mindset, your thoughts, even though before maybe there is some deception, maybe there's, or maybe I just don't know, I don't get this yet, and that it would be removed, so that when I get into uh, the reason for the law, that you'll really see it. Through the eyes of grace. Again, last week we talked about a remarriage to an amazing husband, and his name is Jesus Christ. We were married to the law, but now we are married to Jesus. Today I want to show you how good, again, how the law is. And I'm gonna show you why God gave the law and the reasons and the real heart of the law. So the questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning is this. Why did God even give the law? And if we have been released from the law, as Romans 7 says, then how do we relate to the law? How, how do we now accept and walk with this law, read it, understand it, and live it out in our lives because of grace, but because we understand the reasoning for why God gave us the law. Now, the law, according to the Jewish tradition, would be divided into two categories. The first is the moral laws of God, and the second, the ceremonial laws of God. The ceremonial laws would include the feast and the things like the sacrifices. The, the dietary things that were clean and unclean to eat is the ceremonial laws. Now the Gentiles, under the moral, the moral laws of God, divide them into two categories and we're talking about Jewish and Gentile. We divide them as Gentiles of Ten Commandments and the judicial laws. By the way, we get our laws in America by the Word of God regarding murder and the difference between murder and manslaughter. It's in Scripture. Under the judicial laws... Stay with me now. I'm giving you information. When you take the Ten Commandments and the laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy means the second law or the law the second time. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to give it to you again, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, because you may have missed it or misunderstood it the first time. And so with that same heart, we need to understand that too. Because through the years of knowing the Lord, sometimes we have a tendency to read and misunderstand what we read and or we hear things that sounds good, but it's not scriptural. So bottom line, it's the truth that sets you free, not people's opinions. So the law is good, and it's so good that God repeated it. All right, so hear that. It is very important that we understand the law, that it's good for us. So when you add together the laws, the moral, the judicial, the ceremonial, and the dietary, there were 613 laws that God gave. But again, why did God give all these laws? So please hear me now as we begin to dig into this. I want you to understand again, the law is not bad. But many people tend to look at it as bad and back away, what's the Word of God? And we miss out on part of the Word of God because of the attitude or the understanding towards certain areas of Scripture. Kind of like, you know, the area of your Bible, that the pages are still white? Because we don't read it because we don't understand it. So God wants us to live more life. So we're gonna understand living a life filled of grace by also understanding the law. So we are not married to the law, but what happens when we marry Jesus, Jesus, scripture tells us, writes the law on our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we don't understand the law, what he writes, the word, then we don't understand what we're saying. Does that make sense? All right, still follow me. Everybody online, keep with me. The only way the Jews could relate to God, though, was through the law and law-keeping. So I want you to understand that. Remember, You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Okay, you're right. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Remember that attitude, that thinking? That was their relationship with God until Jesus showed up. Always not good enough. Anybody here feel the same way about your life? The Bible says that Jesus was grace and truth. He didn't do away with the law but the truth showed up and in him grace did too. So that's what we're talking about living a grace-filled life we're in the dispensation of grace the church and now we understand that the law and grace work together. So Jerusalem he began his ministry had to make some clarifying statements in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, where Jesus would come, and there were so many things and people coming against what he was saying, they were coming against because he was trying to explain that you're going to be no, no longer under the law. But they don't know how to live. It's like some of you, you don't know how to live without Starbucks. You can't go to work, you can't talk, you can't get on the phone without your Starbucks in your hand. And that's where they were. So Jesus, when he went in there, he made some clarifying statements and we're gonna see some of those. So it's tough for them to hear what Jesus was saying, that the law uh, was not something that they could relate to that they relate to grace and the law. In Matthew 5:17 through 19, we're still here in the introduction. Jesus said this, "Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Jot and tittle is like dotting our I or crossing our T. Verse 19. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments, the law, and teaches man so, shall be called least in the kingdom of God. Now, there are a lot of people, um, because they're so into the law and being morally right and all the different. Scripture, grace talks about being that too. All right? But notice it doesn't say if you break the law, you go to hell. How many times have you heard that? I'm a, I'm a grandpa, but how many times have you heard granny say, you keep doing that, you're going to hell. And we believe that. So every one of us have taken a test and we'll talk about that in a second. So apparently this is a believer who breaks God's law or ways and he is called least in the kingdom of God. Verse 19 continued, but whoever does the law and teaches them the law, he shall be called great in the kingdom of God. So if you live out, the law, the word, it's what Jesus is transforming them into, then you become great in the kingdom of God. God is not saying he wants us to live immoral lives or forgetting the law. We are to live morally according to scripture. Now let me just say something today I'm not coming against any groups of people. But let me just say this. There is a popular trend today, especially in our younger adults. It's called subjective morality. This means morality is not objective. There is not an absolute that we base morality on. That's subjective morality and is taught in our school systems. And I love all our teachers because they teach with the confidence of the Word of God. It says morality, subjective morality, is subjective to each person. Each person can decide what's right for him or her. So even in a marriage, your husband and wife, one says this is right, the other says no, this is right. And you say, well, we're both right because it's subjective. But what the law shows us through grace now is the law tells us there is objective morality. There is something you base your morality on, not how you feel, not how you think, but what God's Word says. All right, let's continue. I'll give you an example. A few years back, uh, I was reading a book. Uh, anybody heard of Dr. Ravi Zachari- Zacharias? or Zacharias? He was speaking to an Ivy League university. He opened up uh, to questions after he spoke. One student asked, why are you so afraid of subjective morality? And Dr. Ravi uh, answered the question like this. He said to the student, do you lock your doors at night? And the student said, yes, of course. And he, he said to the student because of the answer, then you're afraid of subjective morality and you should be. Here's the reasoning that he brought out. If you say morality is right in each person's eyes, to be frank, there may be someone who doesn't believe it's wrong to put a bullet in your forehead like we're seeing in Israel or saw in Israel. Objective morality is based on God's word. But there are people who just think, no big deal. You did me wrong, pop. So you have to have objective morality, which is the word of God. Objective morality is based on God's word. That's why you see in Israel that, that they would write down what God has done. When they cross the River Jordan, they put rocks from in Jordan, onto the shore, they ask, why would we do that? It's so that you can tell your children and your children's children what God has done. The scripture, to remind them. And, and the, the scripture will not return void. Constantly in scripture, it talks about that, to get an objective morality. And we see today that everything is okay because that's the way people feel, the way you think about yourself and your identity, about abortion, about all kinds of things, about terrorism, because people are being deceived through subjective morality. Let me tell you, the law is good. So now let me show you the four purposes of the law. And this is where you can start writing. First of all, the law, Scripture tells us, is a master. Galatians three twenty four and 25, therefore the law was our tutor. This word tutor in the Old King James is translated schoolmaster. Let me explain it in a moment. Verse 24, to bring us to Christ. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. The law was our tutor to bring those who in the law to grace to Christ without with that we might be justified by faith verse 25 but after faith has come we are no longer under a tutor so let me explain that now the greek word translated tutor it's in the new testament 3 times it refers, watch this, to a man who took charge of a boy as a job. What does that mean? He either was hired or a slave, and his responsibility was to take charge of a boy during his school age years from ages six to 16. This was in the Greek council as law also. His responsibility was to get that child from home to the teacher. The tutor was not the teacher. Speaking of the law. As we think today. To get from home to the teacher and then back from the teacher to home safely. All right, now think of this in analogy. Think about this. The law's job is to bring us to the teacher who is the master and his name is Jesus Christ. That's what the law was about, to to lead people to the teacher, the word of God. So the question, what was the law doing before you accepted Christ in your life? The answer we said last week, the law was saying You need to do this and this and this. You don't need to do this and this and this. Do, don't, do, don't. What was it doing? It was trying to lead you to the master, to the teacher, to the word of God, and his name is Jesus Christ. And it's all about the moral laws of God. So let me just now summarize that saying to you before you accepted Christ. The law's job is to bring us to Jesus. Another question, what does the law do for us after we get saved? See, that's the question, and that's what Paul kept trying to help. That's what Jesus tried to clarify, too, in Jerusalem, is what does the law do for us after we get saved? The answer, the law is still saying to you and me, you still need Jesus. You still need the Word of God. You still need to dive into the Word of God. You still need to understand what God is saying as an objective law, what he's saying to you morally in every area of your life. So after we get saved, that takes place, and to this day, the law tells us you still need Jesus. I know I'm being very simplistic today, but I want you to recognize there's such deception out there regarding scripture. And I'm trying to align you to everything in the Old Testament is leading us to Christ, the Messiah. And once Christ came, became a man, he died for us, he was crucified, he was buried three days in hell, defeated death, hell, in the grave. And then he rose again in victory. We live in that victory, but we need to understand the objective moral law of God, the law, is still leading you to Christ. But when you're led to Christ, you're led to grace. Law still says you're wrong. Get to Jesus. Law says you're right. Get more of Jesus. Get more of the Word of God. Walk in that reality. Are you following me? Hopefully I haven't lost any of you. Online, stick with me. Don't go to the football game. Just record it. See, so the law is a teacher. The law is that teacher years ago in my days uh, that would go around with a ruler. Straighten up, boy. That's what the law does. Straighten up and walk towards Christ. We transfer from the law being our teacher to Jesus being our teacher. In that confusion, the law had become our teacher. The do's and don'ts. What you do. You're saved by your works. No, you're not. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So the first, the law is a master to bring us to Christ. The second thing the law is, the law is a mirror. You ever read that scripture where it talks about the mirror? Let's go to that in James chapter 1, verse 23 through 25, and I'm going to give you what it's talking about. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Okay, listen to that. Observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word, truth, and grace, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Now, watch this carefully. This one will be blessed in what he does. So what grace is, is that when you receive Christ, and you stay focused on Christ, you don't walk away. It's like a mirror, and you start seeing Christ in you. You see your identity. You see everything that you are that God has created you to be. You see your purpose. You see uh, the plans of God, the vision of God in your life. Why is that? Because you just don't go see your natural face and walk away and forget. But you stay focused face-to-face with the Word of God. So I'm going to paraphrase it now, put it in my own words, the same verse. The one who reads the perfect law of liberty, grace, the moral laws of God, the truth, through the eyes of grace, the one who does this, he reads it and doesn't forget it. It is a mirror. It shows him who he really is. How many Christians today don't know who they really are? Don't know the power and the anointing that's in your life, in your life, not what someone else is doing. That's a law trying to deceive you. It's not about what that person, you can learn from others in spiritual realm. That's what pastors and elders are for. But the reality is, is God says, but you have this amazing grace ability to see God and know God and walk in his ways and have standards in your life. So let's, let's finalize this verse as I paraphrase. If he does what's in the word, everything he does will be blessed. Everything you do will be blessed. See, we, we've turned it around. Now, we understand faith without works is dead, but we've turned it around and we've tried to base everything we are on what we do. And then we run to the Word and find out if, if the Word matches with us and what a lot of people do. Well, this is what I believe, subjective morality. It's how they feel. If you feel bad about your life, then, then deception, of depression, all kinds of things want to attack you. Clock be still on the wall. I'm almost done here. So the law reflects the moral standards of God and the law will help you see it. Let me ask you these questions quick. Is God for or against adultery? He's against it. Why? God is for people and adultery hurts people. Is, is he the law for or against stealing? Against stealing. Why is he against stealing? Because he is for people. And he wants to bless people, and stealing rips them off. The law is against lying. Why? Because lying hurts people. Paul said it this way. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. So the law is good. It's the morals of God if we walk morally through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the grace of Jesus Christ, it will help our lives not to have the train wrecks we used to have. Anybody been in a train wreck? I'm not talking about a real train in your life. So digging deeper now, the law reflects the parameters of God's desires. Listen to my words very carefully, but it does not reflect the parameters of his love. I'll say it again. The law reflects the parameters of God's desires, but it does not reflect the parameters of his love. Watch this. Let me explain it. This is important. The law reflects the parameters or the boundaries of what God desires it does not reflect the boundaries of his love. Here's some examples. The question, does the world, everyone, keep God's law? No, not one has. Question, does God love the world? Yes. God's desire is we won't steal, lie, or commit adultery but God still loves the person who lies. He sent his son for that person. What this does is help you and me understand God and how to relate to people. In scripture, uh, there was a woman, remember, caught in adultery? They said, Jesus, the law says stone her. So what do you say? Jesus didn't disagree with the law because the law is his word or good. Jesus did disagree with the Pharisees adding laws and the interpretation of the laws sometimes. But he didn't disagree with God's law even one time. So let me explain this. This is what Jesus said to them regarding their trickery or deception trying to get them. You're right. The law says that. But, the, but one who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Now, let me just explain something here. Jesus never sinned. So Jesus saw the law. The law is correct. As a matter of fact, it was Jesus who said the law. And he didn't cast a stone. But Jesus qualified himself as with no sin. And again, he could standing next to her. But Jesus said to her, there is no one here to condemn you. Listen to grace and truth. Is there a scripture that says, I have not come into the world to condemn the world? Do you see the heart of grace? But watch this. Listen to grace and truth. Jesus says, neither do I, that's grace, but go and sin no more. That's the truth of the word of God. That's a moral objective. Is not to commit adultery. It's not looking at someone and saying, you know, you're bad, you're going to hell, but it's literally saying, Listen, what you're doing is wrong, but I still love you. But I want you to understand, if you come to me, Jesus talking, then I'll turn your whole life around, and you'll never need to do that again. He's saying, don't continue in this lifestyle, because why? It's bad for you. It destroys lives. Here's the third. The law is a map. Number three, the law is a map. It shows us which way to go if we want a good life and a joy-filled life. Psalm one nineteen one oh five says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's about the word of God all the time. That's why every ministry in this church bases the ministry on Scripture. All through Psalm 119, it says this. Your word, your laws, your precepts, and your statutes all say this is the roadmap. It will lead you to the right way. So God's word is a map to every avenue of life, for your marriage, raising your children, how to run a business. But Satan deceives and turns it around. Satan has convinced many people if you do something and it's fun, it must not be God. God is saying, in everything you do my way, that's how you experience joy in your life. The reason why you're joyless, the reason why you're struggling in your life, in your emotions, is because you're not doing everything God's way. That's what he says. The result of doing it according to the word of God will bring you joy in the midst of tribulation. God says living with the same woman your entire life and loving her and laying down your life for her is a way to experience joy on this earth. Not going from person to person to person and heartache to heartache to heartache. 42 years I have done everything I know how and have grown in it to love my wife. And she is everything. Why is that? Because I understand grace. None of us are perfect. So the word of God is a map and how to go the right way. Here's point four, and I'll conclude with this. The law also is the measure. The law will show you how you are doing in keeping the moral standards of God. Remember, we're not married to the law, but to Jesus, grace and truth. Jesus says, in the new covenant, I am going to write my laws on your heart. It speaks of an attitude, a heart attitude. When you begin to understand grace that everything is a gift to you, then you understand when the law says you're wrong, you go to Christ and you ask for forgiveness and you change I, I'm, I guess because all, when I was young, I was raised with sports and, and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, you, coach says we're doing it this way and doing it that way. And you do it. And I found we won when we did it right. And now I get into the Word of God in my late teens, and I begin to see the same principle that they got the, that principle from the Word of God. And now, in the word of God every day, praying every day, and doing these things every single day, knowing it's written on my heart, the law, when I'm reading it, corrects my heart. Now watch this, because this is where we struggle in church, relationships in church. God has given you and me an internal compass, enabling me or you to be able to walk morally so you can enjoy life. Law-keeping is not true spirituality. Law-keeping is not true spirituality. If it was, the Pharisees would have been the most spiritual. Jesus told them, you look like a cemetery to the Pharisees. You're pretty green grass and nice flowers, but you have dead man's bones on the inside. See, some don't know much, but they love God with all their heart. You and we need to grow and mature in the life of Christ, and that's through the Word of God being number one in our life. And here it is, church relationship. We don't use the Word to hack other people with the Word because sometimes they don't know the Word yet. It's like that woman, the adulterous woman. God never intended the law, the word to be used, as a machete to swipe at people. The law, the word, is a measure to help me see how I am doing in my relationship with Christ. So when I'm up here and I say something strong, I'm not coming against you. I'm speaking to myself. And when you hear the word of God, let it speak into your heart and your heart corrects yourself. It becomes a heart issue. And you change the heart, even though everybody around you is wrong, missing the mark, all the different things. You're the one that corrects yourself. So let me conclude with this. The law is a test, but it's not to show God how well you're doing. I'll say that again. The law is a test, but it's not to show God how well you're doing. It's not to show others how well you are doing. The law shows you how well you're doing. All right? Now, follow this. Because of grace, living a grace-filled life, The law is a test that God does not grade the believers with. You're not graded when you miss it. And you totally mess up by God. There are 613 questions, laws, but if you miss one, you fail them all. That's what James 2.10 says. If you miss one, you're guilty of all. Now, you can take that test if you want. Anybody want to take that test? No, no, no way. Uh, Wait a minute. We already took the test. And let me tell you, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You failed. We all failed. The Father says, I love you so much I had my son take the test in your place. And he scored perfectly. That's what grace is. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you receive Christ A-plus in your life. And today... God looks at you through the blood of Jesus Christ and you are A+. plus. But the law will continue to lead you to Christ when you mess up. 1 John 1.9 says, you know, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins if you confess it. How many of you, like me, have to confess a lot? Okay, you're better than me, I know. You're... No, you're not. You have to do the same thing. Let's all stand. Can you give the Lord a hand, please? Man. This is truth that will set you free. I'm looking at the most gifted Wonderful, godly anointed people on the face of the earth let me tell you grace when I go to other churches and minister I can say the same thing to them because it's not what we've done it's what Christ has done even though you're amazing. Yesterday, thank you for blessing the family as they memorialized their brother, their family member. For being such a blessing to people in our church. We love them, and you showed it. Well done. And we do so much as a church. But realize today, You have to stop condemning yourself and thinking you can't do it. Because here it is, another revelation of a scripture, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You go to Christ, forgiveness. He's gifted you already because of what he did not because of what you did. And by faith, belief, you walk in it, and everything you do is blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here. All of you that are new, it's wonderful to see you. We hope that you would make this place your home. This is a great family, and we just want to be here to help you know the word of God. God bless you, and don't forget the Israel offering this week and next week, and see you tonight at 6 o'clock as we watch that video.